Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. I'm Adam Rosen. So in today's episode, I want to talk to you about uh, post-operative wound management and, and more so for the outpatient setting. Um, you know, especially nowadays with outpatient surgery and one-night hospital stays, I think many students, uh, interns, residents, you don't really get a good exposure to what happens um, in those next few weeks as the wound is healing and maturing. So in the office, there's a lot of phone calls we get, a lot of nowadays pictures and photographs. Um, me personally and my staff know that, you know, any of my patients in the early postoperative period, you know, we just offer them an appointment. You know, hey, come in today if I'm in the office or tomorrow if I'm in the office tomorrow. I like to see things because I find a lot of times if it's nothing, patients really appreciate the fact that you just added them onto the schedule just to take a look at it, put their mind at ease. Um, and if it is something small, usually if you catch it when it's early, you can fix it and address it. You know, if you wait and wait and just tell them, oh, just elevate it, ice it, you know, a lot of times a small problem can turn into a disaster pretty quickly. So, you know, that's the one thing I would recommend is, you know, just see your patients, you know, get them in, just take a peek at them. Don't just, you know, tell them to elevate it or, you know, put them on some antibiotics without seeing what's going on. So, Years ago, and I switched over probably three or four years ago, but years ago I used to use staples. Um, and as much as we put staples in, in in the hospital, in the operating room on a regular basis, patients hate staples. Um, and occasionally you get these little staple abscesses. So it wasn't really on the incision itself, but you get these little pinholes um, where the actual staple goes on on the medial lateral aspects of the incision. You get these little abscesses there. Um, so it's really important just to kind of keep an eye on your patients if you're still using staples and make sure those areas stay clean. Um, I always used to keep my patients uh, wrapping in their knee for the first seven or 10 days after surgery if they had staples. So it was just kind of this area that I was always concerned about. And even um, when we were using staples, I would have patients come in and either myself or usually it was my nurse um, would actually take the staples out in our office because lo and behold, you know, you'd have a, a home health nurse that would come in or even the rare patient that, you know, was old and sick and infirm and had to go to a nursing home. And, you know, they just look at the schedule. Hey, staples are due to come out. They have no idea about whether or not is the wound looking mature. Are they diabetic? Are they malnourished? Maybe I should leave the staples in for another week. And if they're there, you know, hey, the staples look bad. Maybe I should take them out at 10 days because they're looking red and erythematous. So, you know, if you're using staples, definitely keep a close eye on those patients um, and make sure that you're monitoring them carefully. The other thing which, you know, I've used and tried in the past, but I don't use um, is monocryl. Like a running monocryl does work well, but it is very operator dependent. So it does take time in the operating room and you have to make sure that you're doing it correctly from side to side at the same depth, you know, because if you screw up where you get, you know, one flap high and one flap low and you get this area of the skin that's not against one another, you know, wait two or three weeks, that area is not going to heal and you're going to have this problem in wound drainage. So one of the ways I used to actually close it, um, the skin itself was, you know, I would use a 2-0 interrupted Vicryl 
And then when I switched over from Staples, what I was actually using was a bead of Dermabond and then full-length Steris. Um, and actually, it worked really well for a while. I get a little bit of drainage here or there in some patients, but for the most part, that worked really well. And then um, somebody turned me on to the idea of the uh, Prineo uh, dressing, which in my you know hands now, is I, I find it works great. Um, I've been using it for over three years now, and the nice thing about it is it seals that wound off. Um, and this way, I don't have patients cover it when they take a shower. Um, and I ex- very extremely rarely see any blood or any drainage on the dressings. Occasionally, I'll get someone, you know, the next day that has a little bit of, you know, bleeding through the perineo. Um, but it's extremely, extremely rare. But with anything, there's always issues and problems. So when you put it on, it's really important to make sure that the knee is flexed because there is some stretch. But if you put it on in extension and then they try to flex, they're going to get a lot of shearing. And you have to be really cautious about patients that are apt or prone to swell because like any adhesive, you know, with shearing, those are the ones um, I believe are more at risk of developing little blisters. So you definitely want to control swelling and then every so often, I get maybe one patient every couple months that gets these wicked rashes. I mean, it's very geographic. I don't know, is it from the liquid? Is it from the actual mesh? Um, is it a combination of both of those? I don't know. But you know, I do get some of these patients that have these wicked rashes. So when I see that, um, I've tried lots of combinations over the years. And what I find works really well is obviously, like I said before, all my patients with an issue, they come in. So they come in, we take it off, and they have just this rectangular, perfectly red rash-looking area. Um, I usually put them on something non-sedating in the morning, like Zyrtec or Claritin, Benadryl um, in the evenings. Um, and then what I'll usually use for dressings at that point is I'll just put steri strips over because it's usually in the first week or so. So I need something in addition to the Vicryl. And then we keep a close eye on it. I've had one or two patients over the years that just wicked, wicked rash. Very, very bad. I'll do a little medrol dose pack. But for the most part, if you get the bandage off, it usually clears up within a couple days. Um, So those are all kind of the small things. The most common thing that you'll see, though, is going to be a stitch reaction or spitting a stitch. Um, And it gets a little nerve-wracking, especially if you're in your first, like, six months of practice. You know, a patient calls your nurse and says, hey, I have pus coming out of my knee, and you're going to bug out. So um, I explain to patients in the preoperative information, and we use an app-based program that's set on a timeline. So, you know, I have it keyed into the timeline right around about three weeks, um, and it just kind of informs them, hey, in the next few weeks, you may notice that you may spit a stitch or two. And what it'll look like right on the incision is a raised area, sort of looks like a pimple. You may get redness. You may get a little sort of vesicle-looking fluid-filled sac, it may drain fluid, and it actually may drain dissolved stitch material that looks like pus. Um, And if that's the case, call us, let us know. So, you know, my typical sort of protocol is if that does happen, again, we get a picture, offer them the option to come in, um, some form of triple antibiotic ointment, bacitracin, neosporin, something like that, two to three times a day, stay out of pools, hot tubs in the meantime, um, keep a small Band-Aid on it, and most of the time, those will resolve on their own. Um, But it's important and it's something to keep an eye on because, you know, if you notice, you know, you're getting more of them, the question you have to ask is, is it how I'm putting in my Vicryl? You know, I notice with certain people, certain rotations, hey, you know, we get a little bit more for these three months and less for other three months. And sometimes it can be 
operator dependent. Sometimes it's just the patient. You know, some patients just their body does not like the Vicryl. And it also has to do a deal, I think, a lot, how many knots you're throwing and how deep those knots are. So try to bury the knots and only throw the number of knots that you need to secure the wound. Um, But again, patient information is key. Um, and letting patients know that it may happen before it happens puts their mind at ease and then treat it, you know, keep an eye on it. Um, now the other thing, which is an issue that you're going to get a lot of phone calls about when you're out in practice though, is drainage, my knees draining. And again, that's another thing that just like all of a sudden, you know, gets you on edge because what do you mean drainage? How much drainage? How long have they been draining? What does it look like? So again, have them come in. You know, when they come in and it's a little bit of drainage, especially very early on, maybe it's bloody when they flex their knee, you know, minimal concern. But if it's serious later on, if it's a high volume, that's where it gets concerning. So for me, you know, the first thing I'm looking at, especially if it's bleeding and bloody, you know, are they on anticoagulation? You know, are they on something, Eliquis, Coumadin, Lovenox, something else, Zarelto, even aspirin? You know, but any time that I have the ability to hold their anticoagulation for a few days due to bloody drainage and document that, you know, I am holding their anticoagulation due to bleeding um, and wound complications, you're covered even if they do get a DVT or PE. You had a reason for what you did, but I'll usually hold the anticoagulation. The next thing too is, you know, are they draining just because there's a rent between maybe one of the sutures? Um, And if so... I always like to drain it. Um, And sometimes you'll actually see the fluid in one of two spots. You can see it actually intraarticularly, and this is only by feel and evaluation and palpation. Or sometimes it can be subcuticular, um, sort of outside the capsule, and they'll get sort of this bloody effusion in this subcute tissue. So depending on where it is, I will aspirate it for two reasons. If I have a patient post-op that is draining, I am concerned about infection. Um, And also, if they have fluid inside their knee that is putting pressure on the wound and it is causing that fluid to leak out, if I remove that fluid, I've decreased that effective volume pushing the fluid out, which may slow down or stop the oozing and bleeding and drainage, which should then allow the skin wound itself to heal. Um, So I'll aspirate, send fluid off. And then again, for me, it's a judgment call of low risk, high risk, what does the fluid look like? Um, do I routinely put them on antibiotics or do I wait? It really is a case-by-case basis. But at least at this point, I've gotten a fluid sample. So if I've put them on an antibiotic, at least I had taken something out ahead of time. And then if it's negative, I can have them stop the antibiotic. The other thing that I'll do though too, and again, if it's a minimal amount of you know ooze, it just needs a little pressure dressing, great. So pressure dressing, lots of ice, more compression, more elevation, usually enough to slow down and stop a smaller scant amount. But if it's more significant, what I'll tend to do is if we stop the anticoagulation, aspirate their knee, wrap them up with a pressure dressing, actually put them in a small knee immobilizer for 72 hours, potentially more. And what you're doing effectively is letting the soft tissue calm down, letting that wound heal and start to knit. So this way, as they come out of the knee immobilizer, the wound is now sealed, so they're not going to drain anymore. You know, the, the severe, severe one that you want to worry about, though, is, and it's usually liver failure, kidney disease, you know, malnutrition, hopefully things that you picked up on prior to surgery and hopefully optimized prior to surgery. But that's where the incisional wound vacs can be helpful um, in placing those on. It was a lot 
more useful when I was doing big revisions with staples. You know, again, now with the Perneo, everything's sealed, so it's pretty rare that I see any drainage, um, but occasionally you can still get drainage, so you want to consider one of those incisional wound vacs, and you want to do your treatments early and aggressive. You don't want to delay and delay and delay because every time fluid's coming out, stuff can get back in. So you want to make sure that that area is clean and you want to stop that drainage as quickly as possible. Um, so just things to kind of keep in mind because again, you know, in the operating room and in the hospital, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing patients at this small period of time, but as you get into clinic settings um, and more importantly, when you get into practice, you need to understand that patients are going to spit stitches patients are going to have drainage and you have to have a good understanding of where and why and when you're going to see them, how you're going to treat them, what you're going to do. And again, making sure that your staff have these algorithms. So if you're in the operating room, you know, they can let the patient know, sure. Yep. This is what we're going to do. You're going to come in tomorrow. Doctor's going to be in the office. In the meantime, stop the anticoagulation and we're going to check everything out. Um, But those are always really, really important things. And I think a great practice protocol you know, for, for every doctor, especially for young doctors, is any problem, question, post-op patient, just bring them in, set eyes on them. Even if it's nothing, those five minutes that you spend with the patient to look at them puts peace of mind in your head, but also means a lot to the patient that you took the time to see them and you can catch something early. You know, if they're spitting a stitch, have a protocol for how you're going to treat it. Um, if they're draining, have a protocol for how you're going to treat it and make a plan in addition to those, you know, drainage and send the fluid off, make a judgment call on, do you check additional labs? Me routinely, I usually do check a set rate and CRP because if I'm seeing them once, I hopefully, I hope that's the only time I see them in the postoperative period for a drainage issue. But if in a week or so, you know, this is persisting and going on, at least I had a baseline set rate CRP and I can see is that trending up or trending down at this point. It's just a useful and helpful bit of information. So have those protocols in mind, have a plan, you know, have educational pieces that go out to the patient so they understand if something does happen, this is when it can happen and this is what we're going to do, but still have them inform you in the office. And this is really going to help you care for your patients and hopefully make a small post-operative issue a non-starter problem as far as leading to a big complication down the road. Um, So thanks again for listening. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast, and I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.